Okay. All right, let me get my little spiel. Uh, welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of Geek Vibes Interview brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Don Fisher, and today I have with me actor, screenwriter, producer, director, podcaster, uh, with his uh, most recent films being The Dare and author and Merlin, Knights of Camelot, the multi-talented Giles Otterson. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much. I'm good, Dom. I really appreciate that intro. That felt good. Though I don't, <laughs> that I don't, I act very much less nowadays. It's very much directing, producing, screenwriting. It's interesting. It, it just evolved that way once I started directing, you know, properly, if you like. The dare actually happened. It was like, right, okay, I'm doing this now. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of nice. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> was that a, um, was that a seamless transition from like acting into directing or was it like a, some steps you had to take? It, it was a lot of steps. It wasn't easy at all. It was, it was really difficult. I mean, it's like, why, why is just because you act a bit, you've been in some movies, bit of telly, no one's going to go, oh, well, of course you can direct. No right. worries. There's not like 500 other directors that morning before you who'd already put an email into someone, you know? So you've really got to work at it you've really got to hone your craft and get good understand how the camera works even though you know it from the other side of the camera but it's really right. important that you can tell a story with the camera and um, not just hit your mark and say your lines and don't hit the furniture you know <laughs> <laughs> now you've got to tell the actors to do that as well as working out where the camera moves go so yeah there's 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 quite a lot to it quite a lot and if, and if people listening don't don't realize uh Giles is in the UK, so we have a six-hour difference. Uh, I believe it's yeah. around four o'clock for you. It's around ten a.m. for me. Um, so yeah. I'm glad that you uh, we were able to to join us. Um, how has it been for you during this whole uh, COVID nineteen pandemic? Yeah. Oh God, it hasn't stopped us. Um, it. It's, it's just like this, everything just sort of got on top, you know, everyone just closed and it became difficult. But what I did, which was great, was that I practiced and learnt over this time, read lots of books and I prepped a load of projects, finished off the scripts for those really tidied budgets. So I, I was very productive. I do, I run a podcast as well, the Filmmakers Podcast. And on that, we spend a lot of time talking to filmmakers. So I was like, well, I'm going to do the same thing. You know, I'm going to do that as well. Um, so that's kind of uh, what, you know, I did is a lot of effort and time and, and put that into making, uh, you know, making movies or hopefully the next step is that we can actually get back to making movies. But at least I'm at a position where I've, I've got everything ready. You know, the scripts are tight now, tiny right. bits of tweaks, budgets are ready, packs are done, vision packs are done, you know? So now it's a case of let's see if we can put them over the line. Yeah, and that's what, that was one of the things that I was thinking about. I was like, we all know that it's, this whole thing has been terrible, but depending on your, your craft, it, um, you can have time to kind of, like you said, finish some things, hone in some things, perfect. Uh, some stories and whatnot. Um, I mean, I know for myself, it's uh, given me a little bit more time to wa catch up on watching some things I wanted to watch and the mm -hmm. things that, because, um, you know, a lot of times we all uh, in this field have to focus on these these big movies and big TV shows, and you're like, well, I wanted to watch this thing, and I, but I, 
I don't have the time. And now I was able to, you know, go back and focus on the things I really wanted to watch. Mm. Um, so yeah, there's yeah. always a silver. I try to find a silver lining in most things, and that was mm. mine. I think that's so true. I think we've all caught up on a load of movies. And because the day I came out in America in March, it, it was great because it meant that so many people actually sat down and watched it. You know, whereas normally, yeah, you might not have got that many people. They might have, but it's unlikely. And the fact that people just went, oh, what else is on? Let's look for another horror, another horror. Oh, that one looks good. Or they might come back to it the next day or the day after and go, ah, yeah, let's go on. Let's watch it this time. You know, whereas before you'd move on, there'd be something else new. And that kept us in, you know, doing really well. Doing Business was good and also keeping it at the top of the charts was was huge it was massive just being in and around all these big movies that got released and you know as is technically it's an independent movie right. and it's you know it's nice to be up with the big boys and just just knocking <laughs> on the door a little bit and going oh yeah we're here as well <laughs> yeah and that was one of you know the the, the mouth main focal points for whatever i was you know writing or talking to in podcasts was just to mention to people that if you're going to watch VOD, Video On Demand, while you're, you're quarantining, take a chance on some of these films that aren't the big blockbusters because mm. we know what the blockbusters are going to be. They're catered to, you're going to enjoy this. And they're, while there is art, the art isn't as, they're not able to, the directors and producers aren't able to take the leisure to kind of do some of the things they want to because like, hey, this movie needs to make a billion dollars. So that thing you wanted to do, you can't do it. Um, and then we have some of the more independent films, some of the smaller studios are able to actually let the artists be the artist and you get these amazing movies, but they don't have the push like a, a big studio would. Yes, we don't get the marketing spend. So uh, to be honest, that's one small good thing about the lockdown is the fact that a lot of independent movies got seen. Yeah. A lot of independent filmmakers went, oh, okay. A lot of distributors also went, all right, we're that's okay. Yeah, we can survive on this. Um, what happens next is the big thing. How do films carry on? How do we keep going? And actually, what's brilliant that happened yesterday in the UK was that uh, the government have sorted those grants out for insurance so that we can carry on filming because it was a big problem. It was 10% was all you could get back if you were closed down for COVID. And on an independent film, you're done. You know, if, if, it, if, it's, if you stop filming, it's done you can't we can't afford to come back and shoot so the fact that the government have now launched this or it's launching is incredible it means even though a lot of films were going back into production and tv it just means that we can all actually go oh, i can go back to the investors and go yeah we're good we're good look the government is saying we're covered we're covered so if anything does happen god forbid that you can then at least go give us you know 14 days we're all going to quarantine and then we can come back on it um it, we've all just got to think around all this we've just mm. got to keep people still want content people love content they want more new exciting you know so you've got to think around how we can do that whether that's two people in a room or whether that's you know filming it on zoom you know like the right. hosted you know just having exciting movies and fresh and going how can we do it? How can we carry on making good content now? Especially in the horror world, the sci-fi world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was, you know, I, I was, as I was researching you some more, I realized that um, a lot of your work is in like the sci-fi horror realm. And mm. for me, that's kind of like, especially horror, that's what I kind of like 
plant my poem. Like, this is my thing. This is your um, home. <laughs> and, yeah. and a lot of people don't realize that, you know, especially with like the dare, um, a lot of horror movies aren't just there for the shock value. There's always a lesson that can be learned from horror. And a lot of times it's the horror helps because like, hey, you did this thing that's bad. Look what can happen to you. Mm. Um, and, and, and that's kind of what... Uh, I got out of the dares that, you know, things that you, <clears throat> whether you do it in the future, the present, the past, there's sometimes there's going to be a price to pay for negative things you've put out in the world, negative things you've said, negative things you've done to people. Um, and since it is, you know, getting close to spooky season, October is like a week away, two weeks away. Literally, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think it is good for people if they haven't seen the dare to go and uh, to watch it and to also revisit it because, you know, one of the things I put in my review that I thought was interesting was the the mask he was wearing is perfect for a lasting type of uh, franchise if you were to go forward with it. Because, you know, every horror franchise we see, whether it's, you know, Jason or Michael or uh, Chucky, there's an iconic figure mm-hmm. face for those franchises. And the dare, when I remember seeing it, I was like, that's kind of that's really creepy like i don't <laughs> like this is especially like anything without uh a face you know per se is gonna creep people out more you know especially if you saw it in person and you're like i don't know what that is and it has no face so is it looking at me is it looking over there like what do i do <laughs> yeah masks are freaky it was something that we wanted in from the early early sort of synopsis of this movie when i first started writing in this loft here when i had a couple of there were two little ideas i had and one of them was four people trapped in a basement that's all it said and then there was other ideas and then further down the list was uh old man uh and a young boy in the house why are they there they're not related and i, I was just trying to find an idea one day i was like i need i need a horror i need a horror and i just looked through my list and i went why don't I put them two together? And literally, it was almost like, it was so weird because they're just so simple. There's no story there. And it literally, something just clicked in my mind. I went, oh my God, they're all connected. I know that can be that, that can be that. And this means that. And I just, it blurged out of me within, you know, like two, 20 minutes. And I was from there now, suddenly I had that treatment of a script and I was like, wow, I can actually, I can actually, this has got legs. I could shoot this here i could shoot this in my garden if i had to if we really want you know because that's what's important when you're trying to make a movie is how can you make the movie because it's great to write a brilliant script or a terrible script whatever you you're going out to do it but how do you get the money for it how do you actually shoot it so if you can write something that has the ability that you could do that on your own you could get your mates together and you could still have a good movie then that's really important when writing it. So the fact that we came up with this idea and knowing that the mask was involved in the first place, uh, I then brought Johnny Grant on to, to help me write it because, you know, that's kind of what he does. Um, whereas I'm a director who also writes. And together we just, within a month, we had the, we had the full script and it was just like, wow. And that mask was, we kind of just described it as a, I think we've just wrote something like, this is one of the worst masks you've ever seen. <laughs> something terrible like that. But we knew it was going to be horrible. And it was my uh, producer, Julian Kostoff, who suggested putting um, larvae in the actual skin. Because the idea is it's the skin of someone. Um, and he suggested, why don't we, and he, he looked it up, this certain larvae that can live inside skin. 
and he showed me it and I went, that's disgusting. And <laughs> it went perfect. So we decided to pepper the mouth. So you can't, unless you really look at it close, you, oh, you go, oh, there they are. There's loads of them all peppered around the forehead, the eye, the cheeks. But from a distance, you just go, what is that? Because it's a mask, but it's like, it's not just a normal skin mask or that. You know, it's got bits in it. It's also got teeth in it and it's got an eyeball, but you'd only know that, like I say, if I'm telling you, or if you pause it and look, because I didn't necessarily do any close-ups of that mask. I wanted it to be, what, what is going on? You know, I like, like you say, you can't really see the eyes. You certainly can't see the mouth. You don't know what this freak who's a big muscly guy is thinking. And that was really important. So, you know, the moment of reveal, maybe the mask comes off in this movie, um, is supposed, you know, wanted it to be a powerful moment. Yeah. And and I think a, a great part is that like, you know, when you, when you, bring someone in with you to watch a, uh, a horror film, you know, uh, they always feel like, I know what's going to happen. And that was what I liked about this one is that I wasn't sure. I thought I knew. And then I was like, no, wait, that doesn't make sense either. So if this happens and wait, wait, wait. So see what, and so the, it kept me guessing. And I was, so once I finally, when I did start to figure it out, I, I think it was like towards like the third act, I was like, mm. oh, okay. Yeah, see, I messed up. You shouldn't have been messing with the guys. See, that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's something you said at the beginning, and, and this is something I really wanted to to have as a message, is if you are a bit of a, a shit when you're younger, if you're a bully, if you go, do you know what? Life will come back and hurt you. Do you know what? Have a word with yourself. You can't act like this. Don't behave like this. And I wanted this to be a message, because I know that, you know, it's an 18, but people younger will be watching this, and fair play. I did, you did, you know, we all watch horror movies when we weren't allowed, and that's the point. But if if I can get through to any of them to just maybe question their motives when they're seeing someone bullying, or when they're seeing someone in danger or doing something, for me, that is just, it's one of the messages that's in there, in the dare, and yeah I, I i'm glad it came across i'm glad you got that in the review which is um, i was so happy about because it, it is important it's not just a, a guy with a you know right an axe or a, a knife torturing people in a basement there's more to it than that and that's what i wanted to to get across and of course it's a horror film of course people are going to get go down a corridor when you're going why would you do that of course <laughs> someone's going in a house when you go why of course it's a horror film you've got to have those moments of people being silly but do you know what i've realized you think that that is crazy but yet people will all convene during covid and have you know <laughs> mass events and parties and whatever so it's it's hey you know uh people someone going down in a basement is nothing <laughs> i'm gonna follow this creepy man down here are you yes either that or i have to wear a mask <laughs> which will it be right and I think a, a really big aspect of it too is of that movie is that um, you you empathize with the the masked guy like you you like clearly mm. he shouldn't be doing this but at the same time like Jay is kind of an asshole I don't know like yeah we wrote like, it that way they, yeah they seem like they don't really feel too remorseful they just, like they're now they're remorseful like oh we shouldn't have done this but it's too late and now you feel kind of sorry but he was like I don't care. I gotta do what I gotta do. So you're like, who's really the bad guy? Well, I mean, one clearly shouldn't be doing something, but it's like, I understand why, mm-hmm. uh, especially with him 
um, being with Richard Brake's character because that Richard Brake, for one, is yeah. a fantastic actor, and every scene that he does is always really intense, especially in a film like The Dare. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this kid who was bullied, and then he's ends up with Richard Brake. Like, <laughs> You can't really fault him for his, how he turned out. No, totally, totally. But I want, it, myself and Johnny wanted that from the very beginning when we started to write it, of saying we want the audience to have empathy with uh, the certain characters we wanted them to have empathy for. Not your usual, well, they're supposed to be the hero of this story. And we wanted to flip it on its head a little bit and make you, at the end of the movie, come out and go, I thought that guy was an asshole. So I was quite glad that that happened to him or that person happened to that. Or, you know, is the baddie really a baddie? You know, was he, did, did the circumstance make him like that? Did they make him like that? And that to me was so important. I wanted that conversation. We actually had a different ending originally uh, where we'd written a different ending where, where something totally different happens. And that the studio just went, it's not commercial enough. It, it would have worked brilliantly in the UK. It's right. a very British ending to this movie. Um, but it's, no, no, the world in America, you know, we've got to go for something different. So I compromised right. with the ending uh, and sort of gave it two endings. <laughs> but anyway, there's a sequel now because of that potentially. So otherwise there wouldn't have been if the other ending had happened. So nice. yeah, without being giving too much away. Right. You know. <laughs> um, so that's now, uh, how did you kind of get started in this industry was it something that you always wanted to do or was it because I know you know being in the UK and in America people kind of their their the routes are can be easier or more difficult depending on where you are and you know I know in here a lot of people go straight to film school yeah. and things like that or you might you know fall into a play and you're like oh I love this thing so how was the the start for you I I wanted to be a football player, soccer player, um, and I happened to be in the school plays. That was something I was, I, I quite enjoyed the acting. It was, I remember my mate Neil asking me at one point, if you, when you're older, what do you want to be, a footballer or an actor? And I said, an actor, because your career can be longer. I mean, just making it up, no idea. But they were the two things I wanted to do. Um, and while the, I, was, I, was at some, uh, I was at a football team here, in the UK for a while it's you know a decent team and going up through the ranks as a youth player but I just really wasn't I suppose good enough but I also dislocated my shoulder and it's it stopped me playing for a while and I remember the careers teacher said well what do you want to do and well I'm going to be a footballer she went yeah okay what do you want to do and I went I don't going to do anything else and she said well I'm going to put you on this course uh, for performing arts and filmmaking and whatnot I said, all right, whatever, I'm going to be a footballer, so I don't care, type thing. And I went on this course, and I saw the guys who were getting the lead roles, getting the girls, having an amazing time, and I went, I want that. And I, the bug got me. I fell in love with that whole world of being creative, and that was it. I went, I have to make this a career. Um, and then got into acting and did that for, you know, a good 10 years of lots of decent films and luckily I managed to cross over I was in The Damned United which is a football movie so I got to play football and act so again we <laughs> got to be a professional footballer in a movie which was kind of cool and I did some lots of telly and, and it, there was this 
thing inside me that I wanted to create my own work and constantly writing stuff. And I put plays on at the Royal Court and the Young Writers Programme at Soho. And it was always something I just did. And people said, you should direct these. And I went, no, no, I'm, I'm a performer. I'm not going to direct. It's going to get in the way. And we were, we were making a pilot for the BBC. And the director pulled out last minute. And I went, fine, I, I'm going to do this. And I, I asked a DP friend of mine who I'd never thought would do it in a million years because he's a big DP and uh, director of photography. And he said, yes. He went, and I'm also going to bring my brilliant camera and all my brilliant team. And suddenly this little pilot became this beautiful amazing uh, thing that we shot and uh, sadly it didn't go ahead but what it did do was give me my love for filmmaking and my love for directing and creating things and from that moment I said I have to make this a career um, I have to be a director a filmmaker producer this this is what I want more than than in front of the camera and then I spent the next 10 years doing that of fighting every corner meeting the trying to meet the right people meeting the wrong people most of the time when you're starting out there's a lot of people who tell you they can make your movie come true and make it happen and they often can't or they're they're balancing your film off another one so you've got to be really careful get contracts get things in place and it was only i've learned that now and obviously no one would take a chance on me because I hadn't made a movie. It didn't matter how many I'd been in. And I'd been in a lot of horror movies myself, some lead roles. and It didn't matter. They wanted you to prove. Um, so, yeah, so I set about writing my own stuff constantly and got a lot of knockbacks, a lot of failures and a lot of problems and a lot of hurt. And eventually I was in this loft and I came up with a dare. And that's uh, a longer story about how we got it made. But... <laughs> It was a lot of hard work, but eventually, yeah, got it to the right people at B2Y. And, and with a lot of um, me talking about how I could make this movie, why they should believe in me, a lot of pitch decks, a lot of uh, script work, a lot of video reels, rip reels, whatever, to prove that I could do this. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my journey of how I, I got into it and became a filmmaker. Now, and that's great, too, because, you know, I oftentimes speak about, you know, a lot of, uh, especially in America, you know, it, it seems to be like, which I know a lot of industries are about who you know, but in, mm. in Hollywood, we see a lot of the same, or not the same actor, but the same writers, same producers, and it's like, we keep seeing the same films, you know, over and over because it's the same people, and it's like, you guys are going to give other people a, a shot, you know, and with you working that way, zigzagging through your, uh, to get to this point, it, it's refreshing because we're getting newer things. We're getting fresh stories mm. uh, because we, you know, that's what we want. People, it's not just the content. It's, it, we want original content. We want thought-provoking content. Uh, and we don't always get that because it is a lot of, well, we know this will work, so we'll do this thing again mm -hmm. and again <laughs> mm -hmm. absolutely and it's amazing that something like the dare could even break through and people like it you know because it is an original idea it's just it's you know and there's so many horror films come out every month every week every day sometimes these days and to to just rise above a little bit in any way is incredible you know it's really incredible without the big like you say the big marketing spend behind it why is anyone going to hear of your movie and it's site like sites like yours um that champion movies like this and therefore we get heard a little bit 
and that's important it's really important that we all support each other and do that so yeah i know i do that with my podcast is i'm always supporting indie filmmakers and talking about their projects and it's so it really is it's important um so i know you uh i got the, a chance to watch also watch um uh author merlin knights of camelot and yeah. I, I and it was I, I've always was interested in that time period, especially growing up. Um, I mean, I feel like most kids in, in my generation at some point were like infatuated with the whole Knights of the Round Table aspect. Yes. And yeah. it's and it's so weird that I, the, the film timing and TV show timing with you dropping that and then the, uh, what's the Netflix show, like Enchanted? Oh, yeah. Enchanted. And I was like, this is so weird. I just watched this movie, and then this show comes out, and I was like, what is, is there, like, some secret, like, hey, I'm doing one, but, like, we just wait a minute, and I'm like, you know, we got this. The, no, um, there the, the actually is. I mean, there's, there's, it's not really a coincidence. I mean, a lot of these companies know that a big movie's coming out. Guy Ritchie's, uh, what, um, what was it, the big Robin Hood movie? Uh, that came out last year, last year, the year before. Well, plenty of companies went, right, let's get another Robin Hood out, knowing they can piggyback off the back of right. bigger films. Okay. Uh, the, the sad thing is, and always the way, is there's so many Arthur and Merlin type movies, it's very difficult to stand out with anything different without a decent budget. It's very, very difficult. But yes, it's, there's, that's why you often see two films that are very similar come out at the same time. It's, they go, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> let's see who wins. And they can b bounce off each other's publicity. Event Horizon and um, what's the other end of the world film that happened? It was the same year. That, 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 it ha this, kind of, this kind of thing happens all the time. It's, right, it's, right. Especially with the lower budget you know, stuff. Then you've got your big movies and then, then there's a load of lower budget people going, let, let's just, let's do one, right? I know, we'll get a castle somewhere. Let's go shoot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. And again, brilliant to bring Richard Brake onto that. Um, he was actually, it was a really nice phone call I made to him. And I said, look, Rich, what are you up to? And he said, hey, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> well, listen, I'm doing Arthur and Merlin. It's in Wales. Um, it's raining a lot here. Um, would you come and play Merlin for me? He went, oh, my God. Wow. Uh, when I was a kid, I dreamt of being Merlin. And he did. He, he, he told me this whole story of the castle where we shot as a kid. Richard Brake used to play there. With oh, wow. plastic swords and run around pretending really? to be King Arthur. He said he grew up in the, where we were shooting all the, the stuff that he was in. He said, I dreamt of being King Arthur and playing Merlin. He said, no, nah, I get to play Merlin. I said, yeah, you do. I said, by the way, have you got long hair and a beard right now? And he went, as a matter of fact, I do. I said, get on a plane. Let's go. <laughs> Amazing. He's so great. And it was nice for him to play something different, a bit nicer. I know he's played yeah. But, but for people to see him do that and for me to work with him on that and you know he's such a great guy so that was good um it, i noticed that um him and um was it bart edwards you worked with them a couple of different times is yeah richard like, short uh, as well yeah dan schutzman yeah so is that because i noticed that you know um you know if you look at like seth rogan's movies adam sandler's movie they call their buddies and they're like hey what are you doing we're gonna do this film is that kind of something you were like hey we work together on a project, we work together, you'd be great in this. Totally, yeah. I mean, I'm all for new people. I'm always auditioning and finding people. But if you work well with people and you like them, a movie set can be a very difficult place to be 
there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of people can get uh there's so much pressure that people the tensions can rise and things can go wrong and it's you've got to be up for that challenge you've got to not lose your rag you've got to be cool and people can be difficult you know people can suddenly start going, i don't want to do it you know and causing problems which you don't need so if you find really good people who love working with who love working with you and they trust what you're going to bring as a director and you trust their performances yeah it totally makes sense to work with them again i never set out to do that um it just was one of those things when i went right who could be king arthur well richard short would be amazing king arthur Mm -hmm. suggest him to the team the team go well yeah if you can get him and i go i think i can get him (laughs) i know him (laughs) uh and the same with emily haig the same all these people was it's like would just i can ask it's an easier ask and i know their ability as performers so it's nice to do that and they're all what's really nice as well is doing really well you know from when the dare we shot four years ago and it's only just coming out in the uk now is crazy um um but the fact that i've known them that long and the fact that their careers have gone through the roof some of them is incredible bart you know being in the witch we're now singapore grip richard shorts doing uh, macbeth with denzel washington you know and so many others emily hayes got her own producing company they're all working well deborah wilde massive do massive stuff now uh, rob master was in 1917 so all these all these you know it's it's just a, <laughs> it's amazing that i picked them if you like they came in they were brilliant for the audition and and yeah and i was like yeah let's brilliant for the roles let's work with them so i'm all for that and me and richard short got another project together i've worked with bart and something else so it hasn't come out yet um i'm i'm sure i'll work with them all again it's it's a nice thing yeah yeah for sure uh and it's always great to see like your friends or people you like a lot like succeeding uh um, totally. it's a great feeling i, yeah. I saw it looks like you, you've been staying busy over the past years. Um, <laughs> you have a lot of projects kind of in the works. And one that kind of stuck out to me, which I don't know, I, I couldn't find a date if it was actually had released or you're still working on it, but it was the Food for Thought. Yeah. So uh, this, is, this is our documentary. So this is uh, our documentary about um, the environment, about animal welfare and about the plant-based lifestyle. And it's something that I've been passionate about for a long time but I didn't know what to do about it. Um, and then I thought, well, hang on, I'm making movies now. Why aren't I making a movie about something I really care about? So I got together with Dan Richardson, who I've known for years and years, and he does, he's, he's big born free ambassador. And uh, I said, look, why don't, we make a, why don't we make a documentary about what's happening now? And back when we started that, which is 2018, I think when we first put that together, it was really, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy to get a vegan meal anywhere. Greta Thunberg hadn't arrived yet. Sure. COVID hadn't kicked in. So 2019 was a huge year for um, plant-based options and for, you know, moving forward with everyone understanding, oh, the environment's actually important. Shit, we should probably cut down on our meat consumption. And so what we're doing is we're just telling the story of people who have, their lives have changed from this. And we went around the world and shot a load of really interesting, fascinating people um, with this documentary. We're now deep in the edit and we've got a little bit more to shoot. Obviously, we've got stopped for COVID, so 
we're doing as much as we can online but we really don't want to be doing filming it online so we've now just got the last bits to shoot which we're going to do in the next couple of weeks and then get the final edit together and we're hoping for a release or for us to put it out at christmas and we're going to self-release it makes sense we know the market we know how to do that so yeah that's really been interesting to do just something i'm really passionate about and care about uh, as much as it's brilliant fun making horror movies um it is it does them the message about bullying is really important um this is another message so i think that this it's good to do it it's good to pay yeah and and like i i think that's why i it jumped out to me because it does even though the like the horror genre and this documentary are so visibly opposite Mm. but though i think what i'm noticing your work is there's an underlying message that kind of stands out and I myself, I'm not necessarily vegan, but I have over the past couple of years, you know, doing research and listening to people who are in the mm-hmm. lifestyle. So, you know, I'm like, you know what? I actually can cut down on my consumption. Mm-hmm. I already didn't eat that much, but I was like, you know what? Maybe I can, you know, cut it down to eat meat once, twice a week instead of like maybe every night or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I, and it's, I think that's one of those things if it's presented in a way that, uh people can like oh they're talking to me and not shaming me and i think that's why people kind of run away is because they feel people are shaming them all the time yeah we didn't want to do that with there's so many documentaries out there that do that that shame people for eating meat or doing you know whatever it is in the environment um and we wanted to do a documentary that just told the facts as much as we know them and best that they can be is this is the effect it can have and we're not showing any graphic content there's none of that it's literally this is the difference you could make if you don't have meat for a week um you know we got four people we got about 40 people to go vegan for a month and we documented that so we got them to do videos every day and it was just fascinating so interesting about you know they're all like i can't do this this is going to be difficult and then in the end they're going oh god this is easy and what (laughs) and then we presented them how many animal lives they'd saved how much water they'd saved in the environment which goes on to the animals which goes into the, the the travel of you know everything to get that to the supermarket so they can eat it so once we showed them all that their their you know their footprint they were literally amazed you know it, it was incredible the amount that they'd saved in that month and that's going to be a very powerful thing to show in a documentary so yeah i'm very excited about it it's it's been a passion and we're getting there so thank you for exactly. asking is that oh yeah for sure is that one of like uh you know a passion project like one of the ones where you're like this is that thing that uh you know when it's all said and done one of the most important things that i've I've, um filmed i definitely think so yeah yeah food for thought will be that because it's got a proper message it's literally come on we can save the planet we can make a difference in our lives now you don't need to kill animals to survive it and you you do all that and you lay it down you go yeah it's true and we're making the world a better place okay i think i can deal with that you know you don't hear anyone you know necessarily dying of kind of um, protein deficiency so i think we're all right you know what i mean it's like we're we're, we're fine i get my protein elsewhere it's all right so there's just ways of doing it now and i think as a filmmaker i wanted to do that i wanted to have my message my voice heard that is it is you know we can make a difference yeah hopefully it can be widely seen over here because uh, i mean you know i'm uh, I don't want to talk down on Americans, I'm an American, but hard-headed. 
They don't like being told what to do. Mm-hmm. And you can give somebody, you know, hey, I'll give you this million dollars if you go vegan for a month. Nah, I'm going to eat meat because I can't. Yeah, I like my meat. I like my meat. (laughs) Because, you know, I do buy, like, the um, chicken alternative, uh, bean burgers and things like that. And it's not much different, honestly. Uh, (laughs) When I was researching, a lot of the time is that it's not the meat that people like. It's the the flavoring. It's the taste. Yeah, so if you can flavor whatever to taste like this burger. Of course you can. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's you, you, you strip all that away. You have a KFC without any of that stuff on it. Really, you'd want to eat that? Right, this right. Rubbery, watered-based. What is that? <laughs> you know, when you think of it that way, you go, oh, okay, it's just the coating you like the taste mm-hmm. of, that finger-licking thing that they talk about. That's, that's not from the chicken. That's from the shit that's on right. it. So you put the good stuff of that onto, you know, any, you know, plant-based product and it just tastes as good. You get used to it, man. And it's so yeah. good now. And there's so many things that do really, you know, Beyond Meat is amazing. You know, that yeah. are in our documentary, went to see them in LA in their offices and showed, they showed us how it worked. Um, and it, it, the advancements now for us as humans, yeah, we don't, we don't need to do that anymore. <laughs> But it's such a big business. We know why the governments want us to keep eating it. We know, you know, why McDonald's want us to keep eating it. It's right. huge business. And that pharmaceuticals side of that, when we get ill, well, that's another big business, you know? So they're not exactly stopping it, but it's more people are getting wary of it and aware. So, yeah, telling that story. That's great. Um, what, uh, what is your favorite aspect of uh the industry since you've been basically everything you could be you've acted you've produced you've written you've filmed mm-hmm. uh, you've directed what is kind of the one that uh is now the, the calling to you that you're like you know what this is where i'm meant to be um on set i love being on a movie set there's nothing better there's just so much going on there's people doing stuff you know all for the sake of an actor to stand and then move forward into camera and say a line or whatever it is. But there's so much that if it's not like theater, you know, there is, there's all the makeup people, there's all the costume people, there's uh, the first AD, there's the seconds, there's, there's let alone the DOP and all his team, lighting team, you know, the best boy, they're all moving around to get this shot that can fit into the story of just a little piece of this film. And you just think, oh my God. And then you put in blood or special effects or a fight in the middle of that. Oh my God, there's so much can go wrong. And there's so much to think about. That's where I thrive. That's where I'm in my element going, I am here now. This is it. (laughs) There's, There's no, nothing else is on my mind, but this now and getting this the best it could be for what we have around us. That's special. That nothing really beats that. When you just nothing can get in. Nothing doesn't matter if someone comes on and goes, "Oh, tomorrow's location's gone." What are you going to do about it? You go, "Well, I'll do something about it in a bit." <laughs> I'm going to get this first, or whatever. Or you have to deal with it. But it's your brain is on fire. You have to think of so many things all at once. Get asked thousands of questions, and you still have to deliver and get your actor to perform in the right way that you want again you might not necessarily need to do that they might be amazing already but most of the time that's your job but yeah it's like that's the tip of the iceberg really i i love it i love it 
That's awesome, man. Um, so what um, future projects do you have coming up in the next year, year and a half? Well, there's Talk of the Dare sequel. Um, it's been going on for a little while now. It did really well in Holland. It did big business in cinemas in Holland. Don't ask me why. I just, just <laughs> amazing news. Thank you. Uh, Hong Kong, it did really well. Uh, obviously, did, it did good and it did well in the US and hopefully in the UK coming up. It's out on 5th of October here. Um, so there was a lot of talk about the sequel. They were like, well, look, it's done well. Do you want to do another one? So me and Johnny came up with a concept for a sequel. And it's, we didn't want to go too far away from the original story because that's what the fans like so you're like well let's not go crazy and make this set in a you know a book tavern or whatever <laughs> i'm just trying to think of something good um uh is is keep it in line so with the original so we're looking at that now we'll see if that goes we don't know um and i've got a shakespeare adaptation i'm looking at and i have interestingly two one comedy horror which is uh, a lot of fun christmas comedy horror uh, and then I have an out and out comedy, which I've been writing over lockdown. And it's very different from my work before. Um, but it's great. It's really fun British comedy. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's lots. There's lots of things bouncing. Like I said, I've been very proactive and just keeping my head down and just keeping the calls to people and the Zoom meetings and the script writing and just focusing on getting things moving. Um, and the investor talks and all that. So, yeah, so fingers crossed <laughs> one of those four goes in January. But again, we don't know. Things fall right. down and change all the time. We might be having another lockdown in the UK. So who knows? Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get back on set. I've actually, well, saying that, I'm producing a movie which starts filming in two weeks, two and a half weeks. That's called Repeat. It's a sci-fi, really cool sci-fi that I came on board. A guy, a guy got in contact with the podcast, listened to the podcast, filmmakers podcast, and said, hey, can, can you give me any advice? And I went, send me it. Let me have a look. I read it. I went, this is really good. I'll come and help you, properly help you. And he said, that'd be amazing. And I brought Lucinda on, who's the producer of uh, Arthur and Merlin. And now suddenly we're shooting that in two weeks, two and a half weeks. Um, and there's another project I'm exec producing and also, oh, I came on as co-producer of a movie starring Danny Trejo, okay. which is called Bullets of Justice. Now, the trailer dropped like two days ago, and it's been around for a while, this movie. But it's done all the festivals, but it, it didn't have the right home. So myself and Julia, my producer of The Dare, took it on and took it to the same distributors as The Dare, the horror collective, who said, yeah, we love this. Let's do it. And that's coming out on October the 15th. So, yeah, it's been a... It's been a <laughs> busy year but that's batshit crazy that one that's crazy second world war three and uh pigs versus humans you know it's it's very vegan in in, in a sense but they didn't, they didn't sit out for that i tell you what but it's hilarious it's so stupid so yeah there's lots busy crazy. busy man um, yeah. where can everyone find you uh on social media and your podcast yeah, you can find me. I'm mainly Twitter's my, my main. Uh, it's at Giles Alderson. Uh, and then Instagram's the same. And then the podcast is The Filmmaker's Podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcasts. But uh, if you go to thefilmmakerspodcast.com, we've got a whole back catalogue of about 180, over 180 podcasts now, all with amazing filmmakers who've made movies. 
massive people from Fernando Morelles, who did the two popes, City of God, Mark Strong, big actor who's been in The Kingsman. Oh my God, the list goes on. Um, uh, I can't think of any from the top of my head right now. Um, there's just, it's just many, many amazing filmmakers and so many indie filmmakers. Some have made their movies for nothing. Some have made them, you know, big studio movies. So uh, it's an amazing resource if you're a filmmaker. Um, so do head there. I'll follow that at Filmmakers Pod on Twitter. Well, man, I really appreciate you able to sit down with me. Uh, I was hoping it would happen at some point, and I was like, oh, okay, you like it. Oh, I did. Um, you did. I reached out. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I appreciate it a lot um, because, you know, I really want everyone to, you know, realize and appreciate the artist's work and not just the the huge names that we've known for 30 30 years you know mm. there's so many great filmmakers writers producers that are you know just now blowing up like yourself and um and i have you know i have a friend who's a writer on a tv show and that show is now starting to like really blow up and i'm like yo we gotta do an interview so everybody mm. can know the people behind all these great things and not just uh, the people we see on the screen so mm. like, again i appreciate you uh taking the time my pleasure and i appreciate you again thank you for your amazing review thank you for spending the time with me uh, and let me waffle on about my endeavors but i yeah thank you man it's great what you do appreciate it i appreciate you man and everyone make sure you check out the dare like i said halloween the spooky season's coming up um arthur and merlin nice camelot great movie check it out and then just check out his catalog there's a, if you go on this imdb and you just look at the catalog, <laughs> you'll find something you love. There's a lot on there. Um, but yeah, until next time, have a good one. Stay safe. And uh, yeah, see you next time. Cheers, buddy. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.